Hello, and welcome to In the Privy Council, a weekly podcast reviewing cases heard for the Judicial Committee of His Majesty's Most Honorable Privy Council, brought to you by the Legal Style Blog. I'm your host, Elijah Granite. This week, we're discussing the Caymanian case of Ramoon and the Governor of the Cayman Islands, the citation for which is 2023 UKPC 9. This case concerns the limits of the inherent common law powers of a court, and specifically, if a court has the power, absent a statute so authorizing it, to hold closed material proceedings. Closed material proceedings, or CMP, are, as a reminder, applied in cases where sensitive evidence cannot be disclosed to the other side, usually in cases of national security, because such disclosure would be against the public interest. Consequently, the court will appoint a special advocate, who will advocate on behalf of, but not communicate to, the excluded party, and the court will thus make its decision on the basis of evidence one party has not seen. Now, in the United Kingdom, the Justice and Security Act 2013 authorizes such proceedings under certain circumstances, but in the Cayman Islands, there is no statutory basis. The question, then, is if a CMP can be held in the absence of statutory authority. The facts underlying this case are grave indeed. The appellant, Ramoon, was given a life term with a minimum of 35 years for the apparently gang-related, cold-blooded public execution of a man in a bar in Grand Cayman. The Caymanian authorities, feeling they lacked the facilities to hold such a dangerous prisoner, availed themselves of the Colonial Prisoners Removal Act 1884, which allows prisoners in overseas territories, as Crown Colonies have been politely renamed, to be taken to the United Kingdom. The Lord Chancellor and the Foreign Secretary undertook formalities to accept the prisoners, and in June of 2017, the then Governor, Miss Helen Kilpatrick, gave Her Excellency's formal concurrence with the removal orders. Ramoon was then transferred to the UK and is now serving his sentence in an English prison. At the same time, he challenged the governor's decision by way of judicial review. In the Grand Court, my lady, acting Justice Carter, found that there was no CMP available in the Cayman Islands. Instead, public interest immunity, that's PII, was claimed for a swathe of material, meaning it was not put before the court or considered on the grounds that to do so would be detrimental to the public interest. In the Court of Appeal, however, it was held that a CMP was available. Interestingly, this was held on the basis of the rights of Ramoon, on the grounds that he could not effectively challenge his removal unless the court had before it all the evidence and reasoning Her Excellency had used in making the decision. Unless the court could see such evidence, Ramoon's right under the Khamenean Bill of Rights to challenge the removal would be violated. The case was then appealed to His Majesty and Council, where we resume it. For the board, my lord, Lord Lloyd-Jones, began by considering an applicable British authority on this question, al Rawi and Security Service, 2012-1-AC-531-SC. In that case, my lord, Lord Dyson, held that open justice, and indeed natural justice, 
require that as a fundamental principle incorporated into the common law, both sides have access to evidence, and any man know the case against him, or any woman the case against her. A CMP ran in the face of these principles, and could only be introduced by Parliament, because a court's inherent jurisdiction did not extend to depriving parties of their rights at common law. Where Parliament had not legislated for such a procedure, a court could not introduce it, subject only to specific exceptions, like child welfare, that are not relevant here. Conscious of that authority, in the Court of Appeal, Sir Alan Moses, a name that may be familiar to English listeners, had nonetheless felt that the least worst outcome was to extend a CMP to the Cayman Islands, since otherwise it would not be possible to objectively analyze if the decision was proportional, since the relevant material would otherwise be withheld from the court on PII grounds. The result might be that the case simply could not be heard, and here, compare the Crown on the Application of Begum and Special Immigration Appeals Commission, 2021 AC 765,SC. As Sir Allen felt that the court had an obligation, under Section 26 of the Bill of Rights, to determine any application fairly, the only way for a fair proceeding was felt to be a CMP. For the board, Sir Allen's reasoning was flawed. Relying on Lord Dyson in Al-Rawi, the board held, it is simply not open to it to invent a CMP for the Cayman Islands under the guise of the development of the common law. Any claim that the Bill of Rights allowed the court to avoid the limitations discussed in Al-Rawi ignored the fact that a CMP was itself inherently unfair, and thus could not be seen as a mechanism to implement a fair trial because it undermined the basic principle of fairness of both sides being able to confront and speak to the evidence. This led to the question of the consequences of the unavailability of the CMP. During a careful analysis of the open material before acting Justice Carter, and noting that there had been extensive disclosure of material and gisting of material, even allowing for PII withholding, the board held that there would be a remit for hearing of judicial review to the Grand Court, but there was no need to rehear the PII decision of Acting Justice Carter. Ramoon tried some last challenges on Bill of Rights grounds, namely that the decision was a disproportionate interference to his right to a private and family life under Section 9 of the Bill of Rights. However, the 1884 Act, which involves an individual assessment of the situation in the round, was a lawful and proportionate interference, and Ramoon had ample opportunity to challenge it. The evidence also showed that Her Excellency did take careful account of Ramoon's family life and the impact being removed to the other side of the Atlantic would have. Thus, the interference was not arbitrary and capricious, and kept within proportion. Turning now to our analysis of the case, this is a healthy reminder of the limits of inherent jurisdiction. Courts are bound, fundamentally, by the common law duty to preserve the rights of parties to fair and open hearings. If they fail to do so, they cease to be, in effect, courts. Now, common law rights, open justice, and natural justice are terms which are regrettably often misused or overstated. They are very real binding concepts. Inherent jurisdiction exists to ensure that the court may make such provisions as necessary to reach its ultimate objective 
of justice. The power cannot possibly extend to the creation of injustice. As Lord Lloyd-Jones discussed, the balancing act involved in determining if CMP is appropriate is constitutionally one reserved to the legislature, which is much better placed to consider competing rights and duties. Well, I understand why Sir Alan Moses in the Court of Appeal felt that a CMP was the best way to balance and protect the rights of Ramoon under the Bill of Rights. That balancing act, that inquiry, is not one the courts can carry out. For the courts, until the legislature says otherwise, justice must be the fundamental guiding principle. And a CMP is inherently unjust, even if, paradoxically, it may sometimes be justified. As powerful as inherent jurisdiction is, we must be conscious of its limit. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of In the Privy Council, brought to you by the Legal Style blog. If you want more legal content, visit our website, legalstyle.co.uk, or follow us on Twitter, at LegalStyleBlog. If you have any comments, suggestions, rants, or raves, the email of the podcast is editor at legalstyle.co.uk. We also welcome any ratings or reviews on your usual podcast platforms. Until next time, goodbye, and God save the king.